0: everyone. And thanks for tuning in to the latest episode of the Frarian Smith podcast. Tomorrow, what started in early August with fall camp will conclude when Troy and Coastal Carolina play for the Sunbelt Conference Championship. In today's episode, we'll focus on the home team, the Troy Trojans. You'll hear from Troy head coach John Summerall, as well as veteran linebacker Carlton Marshall before Caden and I dive deep into this matchup from the Trojans' perspective. Caden, we have two very deserving teams playing for the championship this Saturday, but today we'll focus on Troy. What has you most excited about this matchup for the Trojans? It's
1: really watching them play in a championship game. This is my time at kind of team. It's a defensive squad, and every week they're just... One of the really just the best stories in college football, in the Sun Belt, in the group of five conference, whatever you want to call it, just from them finding a way to win. They win close games. They went from their defense and they're just a competitive and great group. And we touched on that with Coach Summerall and with Carlton in this episode and very excited to dive deeper into this matchup and this team. That's really been what I would say the Cinderella story of this conference this year.
0: Well, as I mentioned earlier, you'll hear from two special guests from Troy in today's episode. We'll start with head coach John Summerall, and then you'll hear from linebacker Carlton Marshall later in the episode. Coach Summerall has thrust himself, Caden, into the Sunbelt Coach of the Year conversation with an excellent first season as the head coach at Troy. After serving as the associate head coach and linebacker coach from 2015 to 17 at Troy, John left for the SEC serving on the staffs at Old Miss, as well as his alma mater, Kentucky. In December of 21, Coach Summerall was given the opportunity to return to Troy University as the program's 23rd head coach. In his first season, he has guided the program to new heights, entering the title game with a 10-2 and record after the program finished just 5-7 and a year ago. His team has secured wins over in-state rival South Alabama as well as finishing 7-1 in conference play. Despite being one of the younger coaches in the league, Caden, Coach Summerall has proven that he was exactly the man for the job in Troy. And now he looks to write another chapter to this magical first season. The Trojans will look to secure the program's seventh Sunbelt Conference title with a win over Coastal Carolina tomorrow.
1: It was great talking to Coach Summerall, and what he did was truly amazing in his first year at Troy. It's very hard. And a very challenging thing to get your players to buy in as much as he got his players to. And it's really shown for this team in the box scores if you watch them and to the point they've gotten to this year getting in a championship game. You got to give a hats off to him. You have to, have to give a hats off to guys like Carlton for buying into that culture. It's really just been a collective effort for this team that's willed them to this championship stage they're on now. And a lot of it has to do with Coach Summerall. So without further ado, let's get to our interview with Troy head coach, John Summerall.
0: Coach Summerall, first, we'd both like to congratulate you, your staff, and the team on winning the Sunbelt West title. We're really excited to have you on on today's episode on what will be the one-year anniversary of you taking the job at Troy. So thanks for
2: joining us today. I appreciate you guys having us. Excited to still be playing football. Uh, getting to play the first Saturday in December as a college coach, is always, means, means you've had a good year. So we're excited to be in the situation and the position we're in.
0: Well, year one, Coach, it's been a wild ride for you guys. You lose two of your first three games, including that heartbreaker to App State. But since then, you guys have gone on a nine-game winning streak, including one over your rival, South Alabama. You're bowl eligible, and now you're going to play for Troy's seventh Sunbelt Conference title. You have to be so proud of what this team has been able to accomplish in year one.
2: I am. I think our kids have been really resilient, um, and I'm grateful for their buy-in. You know, when Anytime you come in as a new staff, Uh, there's change can be uncomfortable for everybody. And our guys have been very willing to embrace the new things that were brought. And they're very deserving. I mean, they've they've overcome a lot. Um, Like you mentioned, starting one and two on the year, losing game three in heartbreaking fashion, uh, I think says a lot about the character of our guys and the resiliency of our guys to just keep showing up. And uh, if you keep showing up, good things happen. And I'm grateful for their 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 attitude and their work ethic.
1: Hey, coach. So we spoke to Austin Siddham earlier this year on the podcast and we'll speak to Carlton Marshall coming up here in this episode as well. And those are two guys who had the decision to stay or come back and they both talked to each other. And we know a a lot of those six year guys had that decision to make. And remember, Austin specifically told us to return to Troy, back to Troy, to a place they needed to be. What has it meant to have those guys in particular come back and what they've meant to this season?
2: Yeah, it's meant everything um, to have those guys be here, to be quite honest with you. I don't know that the transition um, goes as smooth in regards to us trying to establish the culture and create the standards that we've set forth without those two guys still here. I've known both them. You know, I was an assistant here when we recruited both those guys. And so I've known both those kids for a long time. And I think that that allowed to have veteran, older, established players that um, were comfortable speaking the same language that I was going to speak immediately. There was no like, hey, I got to get these guys to believe in me. Like they already kind of did have that relationship and rapport. So for me, it made maybe the implementation of Core values, culture, standards, a lot more clean and easy because there was automatic buy in from some guys who had been really productive, established players. Now, Coach,
0: there haven't been many bad memories this year, but, you know, Caden and I were both at that App State game back in September. You could see just the heartbreak on your team's faces after that loss. Uh, your season could have gone either way at that point. What allowed this group to respond in the manner that they have after that loss?
2: Yeah, I just think um, our team cares deeply about each other and uh, during that moment and, and and don't, don't get it wrong. That sucked. Like that moment absolutely sucked. Like, I hated every minute of when it happened, but we've got a saying around here. We say, so what now what, you know, like, and, I said that after that game. I said, I actually said it the week before we're getting ready to play Alabama a and M. I talked to our team about, all right, we lost Ole Miss. So what, now what? You're ready for the next game. Hey, you know what? We just beat Arkansas State last week. So what? Now what? Like, who cares? Nobody cares anymore. It's gone. And so I think our team had a, a gut check there and a real heart check. Um, I tried to help them through it by uh, understanding – I'm not into moral victory, so don't get this twisted. But in the 11th game of the 2021 season, App came to Troy and the score was 45 to seven. All right. It was a, it was not particularly close. And the third game of this year, we went up there and for 59 minutes and 58 seconds played pretty good football. And we lost on the last play of the game, which like I said, it sucked. Like I hated it. I, I, my heart broke for the kids on our team, but um, in life, Things are going to happen sometimes that, that don't go your way, and how do you respond? Do you quit? Do you give up? Or do you pull yourself up, pull yourself up off the mat and uh, and fight? And I think we got a lot of fighters. Um, going back to like what you asked about Austin and Carlton, uh, those kids have been through some good and some bad here, and I think their resiliency and their leadership helped us as a team. Those type of guys uh, that wasn't just coach led that was player led
1: and from that game forward coach you currently riding the fourth longest active win streak in the country with nine wins right now six of those have come in games that were nine or fewer points y'all just seem to have this ability there's x's and o's there's offense and defense but winning games in itself is a skill why has this team been able to consistently win so many tight games
2: yeah i think they've just built confidence you do it once and you you're more confident you can do it again um we you know we've had a about three or four games where we haven't played really good in the first half as a team. Um, last week we didn't play very good in the first half. And in the locker room at halftime, I kind of kitted around with the guys. I said, hey, look, um, we played about as bad as we could play, all right? And so the good news is we've been here a couple times this year. We were down 10 nothing at halftime to Lafayette and uh, 10 nothing uh against Army. And so I said, hey, we're actually really comfortable being in this position. We've got this game right where we want it. Down thirteen to seven is right where we want to be. This is this is our wheelhouse, you know. And so, um, I think when you overcome deficits or you find a way to win a close game, it just creates confidence that you can do it the next time and the next time and the next time. I think Jamie and them at Coastal have done the same thing, to be quite honest with you. I mean, I think they've they've created it. That's why they're thirty one and five in the last three years. Like, cause they've just found a way to win games. It's sort of been in their culture and their DNA.
0: Now, Coach, back in early October, you began channeling legendary Alabama coach Nick Saban when you debuted your rat poison emojis. Uh, We wanted to ask what led to that, and how do you decide which
2: tweets are worthy of the rat poison emojis? Yeah, well, when when Caden mentioned the win streak, I was getting ready to call it rat poison. But uh, I think anything, anything that's got nothing to do with the outcome of the next game, like you're patting people on the back because, hey, your fourth quarter point differential when the weather is below this certain degrees uh, doesn't really have any control in the game. And I I kid around with Adam Printergrass our SID all the time because he's the king of the stats and he's he's good at promoting and making everything look good. And I appreciate that, but I have to keep our players humble because everybody around town wants to pat them on the back and tell him, man, y'all are unbeatable. And I'm like, well, I watched this practice today and we're pretty beatable if we don't play very good. And so I just, to keep everybody focused on all the hype has zero to do with um, the next day or how you prepare to continue your improvement. You know, I think you have to constantly be finding ways you can improve and grow.
1: I'm a defensive guy, Coach, and it's no secret your defense has been very key to your team's success this season. It's a top 10 unit nationally with points allowed. It's the top pass defense now in the conference to end the season. What makes that unit so special, and how important have they been to the identity of your team this season?
2: We've got good senior leadership over there and guys that have played a lot of football. I mean, everybody knows Carlton Marshall, but K.J. Robertson, uh, fifth-year senior. Craig Slocum, sixth-year senior. Um, Will Cholo and Antonio Showers, both fifth-year seniors. Shaquille Brown's an older guy over there. I'm missing some guys, but I'm just talking about the guys that are out of eligibility after this year. We've got a lot of guys that have had good production here, and so confidence was on that side of the ball already. We knew maybe coming into the year that was going to be a more established strength, per se, than our offense. The offense, uh, we knew, was going to take some time to grow and develop and Still is growing and developing. But um, I I just think we got good players over there. We try to do things that, um, you know, highlight their strengths and then make it simple enough that we can play fast and confident, but complicated enough that the opponent doesn't know where you are every time. And, um, but just we played, we've played good, clean football over there. I've, I make a big deal about limiting explosive plays on defense. Um, I don't like giving up big chunk plays that's something that makes me very uneasy and frustrated and angry and so trying to be clean with our eyes and good with communication I think that's probably the one area I'd say we've grown the most from week 1 to the end of the year is communication um when I got here I felt like on defense we didn't communicate verbally as well on the field before the play pre-snap as we needed to and uh I was like a raging maniac on the field, a few practices, trying to get them to communicate because that's probably the most understated thing from a defensive perspective is pre-snap communication.
1: That's good stuff, coach. And let's transition now to this game you have Saturday against Coastal Carolina. It's championship week. And I feel like from teams I've been on there's moments like this where coaches can either – preach its high stakes on one end or kind of just tell their team to stick to what they do and what they've been successful with all season and just be themselves. What's your message going to be with the team this week heading into what is the biggest game of the season?
2: Yeah, I think it's somewhere in the middle, Caden, to be honest with you. I don't shy away from the fact that it's a really big game. It's a conference championship game. Like uh, if you shy away from that, I think you're avoiding the elephant in the room. We all, you know, these kids are smart. They are our players are way smarter than any of our coaches probably. They got great awareness. Um, they can read right through BS if you give them BS. And so uh, they I, – I think you take it head on and tell them, hey, look, we've worked extremely hard. This is a position we've wanted to be in. We're here. Now it's not a time to relax or let up. It's also not a time to, like, let's do something drastically different and have some different sense of urgency now. Well, having a great sense of urgency – and. Good uh preparation throughout the week is what's gotten us here. And so stay the course, but understand don't let a great situation pass you by without understanding what's right in front of you. So I think you I don't think you shy away from it. I also don't think you overhype it. I mean, uh you just take it head on and really emphasize after taking it head on, what matters is prepare each day to put yourself in a position to play your best on Saturday. Coach, when you look at this team, the
0: offensive identity early on in this year was kind of a pass-first attack. You guys were throwing the ball upwards of 40 times. uh, But in these last few weeks, that number has decreased, and we've seen that run game production increase dramatically. A lot of that has been Kamani Vidal has had those monster games. What has led to the change in play calling and that increased production that we've seen from Vidal
2: down the stretch? Yeah, earlier in the year, we were extremely healthy at wide receiver. We're down a couple guys there right now. Um, also, too, we were, we've were we implemented uh, a little bit more physical downhill uh, scheme in the run game. Uh, we did that in the spring, obviously, and still the scheme we're running. But I think it took a little bit of time for the run game to click. I mean, it, I think getting the alignment on the same page and understanding the new techniques that Coach Popovich, our line coach, has implemented, the backs, the vision lines, and some of the runs we're, we're running are a little bit different than what they're accustomed to. The receivers and tight ends involvement and in blocking in the run game uh, has improved. And then some of it's uh, the plan to win. Like last week we knew going in it was going to be a wet kind of dreary game and felt like if we could run the football and control the line of scrimmage, we'd have a really good chance to win the game. And so sometimes that's not always flashy because it may take time to wear the other team down or get in the third or fourth quarter to, to you know, bust off some of those chunk runs. Um we still want to throw the football. 2 weeks ago against Lucy Monroe, actually we had a lot of a mo- lot more shot plays in the past game in the game plan, but we got up 17 points um in the second quarter or maybe early third quarter and uh I was like I don't want to see us throw the ball a ton. Like let's let's you know, three things can happen when you throw it and two of them are bad. Like so uh, I want us to run the football, and but we, I want to throw the football more than we have the last couple weeks, and we will when the when the timing presents itself. But I think that if you can do both and complement each other, I think you can create explosive plays. That's one thing that our opponent this week's done a good job: is they run the ball well and they take good shots off the run game.
1: It's hard to talk about that passing game you guys have without talking about Tess Johnson. He's been one of my favorite players to watch on your team this year, especially for what he brings to the table at his size. It's clear. He's clearly a big part of this offensive attack you had. Can you tell us week to week how you try to cater to his strengths and incorporate him into the game plan and what maybe we can expect from him to see on
2: Saturday? Yeah. I mean, you got to get your good players, the football. I don't care how smart you think you are as a coach schematically. If you don't know how to get the really good players, get their touches, then no scheme you have is really that good. So it's a, this is a player's game. It's not a coach's game. Tez is a dynamic playmaker with the ball in his hands. So it's important that each week we find ways to get him touches. Um, he is uh, a, a big play waiting to happen a lot of the times. Um, continuing to grow as a route runner. Uh, I mean, he's super explosive and fast and twitchy, uh, catches the ball well. Just I think probably his biggest area of growth where he's grown a lot is just being clean as a route runner, understanding leverage and spacing and timing um, to to make things easier for the quarterback. But he does open things up for us. And then we've got some other receivers that have stepped up. I mean, Rajay Johnson's had a good year and um, Deshaun Stoudemire done some good things. Uh, A lot of guys have found a way to, to chip in. Coach, looking at Coastal Carolina, kind of the elephant in the room right now is the
0: health of quarterback Grayson McCall. He's been one of the best in the conference for years, um, but he's missed the team's last two games with injury. Tell us about both the challenge he presents if he does indeed play in this game and the challenge of preparing for the potential of maybe facing multiple quarterbacks in this contest.
2: Yeah, first off, ton of respect for Grayson McCall. Man, I love the way he plays. Um, he's competitive. He's gritty. Uh, he's the kind of guy that I would love to have on our football team, just regardless of position. I mean, I don't, I mean, yeah, he plays the quarterback position really well, but I, I like the way he plays the game and um, very, very talented. Uh, he's a lot to prepare for um, The, the, I guess the good or the bad of it, depending on how you look at it is, their offense has got a really good identity, and whether Grayson's available or not, they they've done a good job of being who they are. They're not going to overnight just change dramatically. Um, that's why they've been successful as a program because they've got an identity. And uh, you know, if Jared Guest plays, then you, you they don't really change a ton um, from a you know structure. And then the the kid Bryce Carpenter. Who's the backup currently? If Grayson's out, or the third string guy, I guess. I mean, he started games in 2018. I think. Like, I think, I think he's in his ninth year of eligibility. He's been there forever. And so, they've got guys that are good players. And so, I mean, obviously Grayson's an elite player, but they don't they don't just drastically change what they're doing. Um, but a lot of respect for for all their guys. But I do think it's don't shy away from Grayson McCall is a very special player.
1: And you talked a little bit about that offensive identity you have and your defense will be facing one of the more interesting offensive schemes really in the country this week. They have elements of that option run game in the offense and also the passing game, especially when Grayson's in there, it really makes you cover all the areas of the field. I feel like physically you like your guys and they've proven this year they can match up with anyone. But how important is the mental side of preparation for that defense going to be facing this offensive scheme this week?
2: It's extremely important. You know, um, one thing that uh, I'm kind of, I don't love it being on the schedule maybe going into the year, but we played Army a couple weeks ago, which I think challenges you defensively. Um, These guys are really tough to prepare for because they have some element of normal conventional offense mixed with option. And so it's a good little hybrid system they run. Um, uh, It's very challenging. I've coached against Jamie a couple of different times I coached against him when he was at Charleston Southern and I've coached against him once when he was at Coastal and it's a lot to prepare for they do a nice job I've got a lot of respect for what they do schematically well coach we really
0: appreciate you taking some time out of your schedule here to talk with us I know Caden and I are both going to be in Troy it'll be my first time uh in Troy this weekend but definitely wish you guys good luck in the championship and
2: looking forward to a great game I appreciate you guys coming I didn't know you all were going to be here it'll be exciting and um you welcome to Troy, man. It'll be fun, fun trip for you,
0: Kaden. Okay, what another fantastic interview! I've really enjoyed talking with the head coaches this week. It was fun talking with Jamie uh, on Wednesday, and now to get a chance to talk with Coach Summerall here. I really found it interesting to hear him talk about overcoming adversity this year, that so what, now what mentality. They lost a heartbreaking game early on in the season that could have set the tone for the year, but they didn't allow it to, and now they're playing some of their best football. I also thought it was fun to kind of hear the explanation about how he chooses which tweets are his, his rat poison tweets on Twitter.
1: Yeah, he's definitely following good footsteps with a guy like Coach Saban, who's doing it at the highest level and who's been doing it for a while at the highest level and has had a similar turnaround, you could say, at Troy with what he's been doing there this season. But I think you said it, the so what, now what mantra that Coach Summerall has preached to this team You've really seen it pay off for them, whether it's that App State game, whether it's those individual tight first halves they've been in where they haven't played their best ball. It's really elevated them and propelled them to the place they're at right now, and the big propeller of that has been this defense, and you've seen how it's been able to carry them up until this point, how they've really adopted that mindset. It seems like all 11 are on the same page, and John talked about how great they've been for this team this year and how they've led them to this point.
0: Well, before we get to our next guest, here's a quick reminder. If you haven't already, subscribe to the show on either Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And if you like what you hear in today's episode, consider leaving us a quick review. Finally, don't forget to follow us on our Twitter page at At Frarian Smith, where we consistently post Caden what I think is some of the best Sunbelt football focused content around. Well, without further ado, our final guest on this Troy Trojans preview episode has been an integral part of the Trojans defensive unit for the last six years. Since the start of his career, Carlton Marshall has consistently been a force in the Sunbelt, despite standing at just five foot nine on a good day. For the second consecutive year, Carlton has been honored as a Burlsworth trophy finalist, an award given out to the nation's top player who began his career as a walk-on. Last year, he earned his third all conference first team honor of his career. Since 2018, Carlton Marshall Caden has uh, recorded four consecutive 100 or more tackle campaigns, including 112 this season. Back on November 11th against Army in front of a sellout crowd at Veterans Memorial Stadium, Carlton passed former Northwestern linebacker Tim McGarrigal for sole possession of the FBS record for career tackles with a vintage 22 tackle performance in front of that sold out crowd. Carlton's name will always be synonymous with strong defensive play, and he continues to show that anything is possible through hard work, faith in yourself, and a heavy dose of determination.
1: Yeah, this guy doesn't need much of an introduction, but we're still going to roll out the red carpet for him, of course. But his, his play speaks for himself, and I think in this interview, his journey speaks for himself as well. He's a tough-nosed guy. He had to work for everything he got, and it was very interesting just getting in his brain a little bit and seeing – what makes him tick as far as a player that's probably going to go down and we'll have conversations about one of the best players this conference has ever seen. And I think it's going to be also fun for the people to hear maybe what's in his headphones before the game, because it might surprise you. So without further ado, let's get to our interview with the one and only Carlton Marshall. We are pleased to be joined by yet another very, very special guest. If you've watched Sunbelt football for the past five, six years, you've definitely seen this guy and heard his name. He's the record breaker, the tackle maker. It's Troy linebacker, Carlton Marshall. How are you doing, Carlton? I'm good. How are you doing? Doing good. So in late October, read an article at ESPN writer Alex Scarborough put out. is a really great piece just documenting your career journey. And our listeners would just love to hear that story from you personally, from the source himself. So just tell us about your recruitment journey and why you ultimately ended up choosing Troy to walk on there.
3: You know, uh, I wasn't highly recruited in high school. You know, uh, we have a, a staff member on here, Coach Caleb Ross. He was actually my head coach back at McGill Tulin. So he would actually try to keep the uh, some of the college coaches Away from seeing me, he wanted to show him the film instead of actually look at me because we know you know I can't change who I am, it's my size, everyone you know knocks me with my size so um, yeah, the decision was made in two nights, well, not two nights, the long uh long process, long recruiting process of just thinking about it, but those two nights that really just popped in my head was the night I actually had a basketball game, you know that night before signing day. So me, my parents, and my linebacker coach, Coach Carl Jackson from McGill, we came together in the office. We are like, okay, we had to make a decision. He said, you have your – you have North Alabama, Alabama, A&M, this, this, this. And we say, you know, we're thinking about Troy. And coach, and coach Jackson was like, you know, that's great. He gave Coach Summerall a call. He was like, oh, most definitely we'll take Carlton. You know, but going back home later that night after the basketball game, I believe me and my parents were up until maybe – one in the morning, and we had. they have a little video, two hats in front of me, North Alabama and Troy. You know, I just weighed out my options, and I looked at North Alabama, and I know the history. You know, my big brother being there, you know, I always wanted to be like him or be better than him. He's going North Alabama, all GSC, all American. You know, one who I look up to, you know, he's my superhero. You know, I just tried to make my own path, so I felt like, you know, Troy was the right decision for me.
0: Yeah, I love that story. And, you know, another fascinating aspect of that, Carlton, is, you know, we chatted with your teammate Austin Sidham earlier this year, and he shared why he and you and several other the seniors returned for this final year. Let's hear your side. Why was it important for you to return to Troy for another season?
3: You know, honestly, uh, I feel like these past three years, you know, it's no secret. They're not, they haven't been what we wanted them to be. So as a leader, I feel like we kind of dropped the ball with that. You know, the stage, the standard was actually set, you know, top tier. It was set high. And I feel like as a leaders and as a team, we, you know, we let that uh, we let that standard fall. So we knew we had to, you know, bring it back up to what it really was, you know, make sure everybody's all in, bought in. You know, I put that kind of on myself because we needed that leader on the team to be not just a great example, but needs to open his mouth, you know, galvanize you know galvanize the tri- the troops you know get everybody on the same page but i feel like me personally i dropped that ball on that and i just wanted to you know perfect my game and be a better leader and i'm still working at that
1: and in the midst of making that decision to come back it was announced that coach John Summerall would be y'all's next head football coach at Troy and y'all had a prior relationship with him being the linebacker's coach earlier in your career what have you enjoyed most about being under him as a head coach and playing for him this season
3: you know, just a uh, plan for Coach Sumrall. He's always gonna uh, keep it, you know, keep it real with you. You know, he's gonna tell you what it is, and he'll he will never lie to you. He'll let you know what's best for you and what he wants you to do. But as a as a football player and as a growing man, you know, you have to make your own decisions. He lets you live with those decisions and you know consequences, or you can get the accomplishments or good things from um making those decisions. But you know, Coach Sumrall, you know, he's just a great guy. You know, I. And words can't even describe, you know, what kind of guy Coach Summerall is. And I'm pretty sure you can ask all around the nation, you know, and they'll agree with me.
0: Yeah, I mean, we will definitely echo the straight shooting part. I know when we talked to him early in this episode, Cade and I both really appreciated that aspect. He just told it how it was. Uh, Carlton, you're a couple weeks removed now from breaking the NCAA FBS tackling record. Uh, you received a lot of attention from Troy alumni, national media, what did it mean to you personally to break that record and to forever now have your name etched in college football history?
3: You know, uh, it really didn't hit me until maybe a few days or maybe a week after, you know, I laid laid my head down and thought about it. I was like, wow, we really did it. <laughs> like, uh, people like to see this all got emotional after the Army game, but I would say that emotion was definitely more because of the win because we knew what was on, on the line, you know, our season was Definitely on the line. We didn't want to lose any games into finishing in a dramatic fashion like that with a missed field goal. You know, that all just overwhelmed me at that point. So, honestly, the record at that moment in that specific time, you know, it really didn't cross my mind until, you know, I came back home and just laid my head down.
1: And it's no secret, Carlton, that this unit, the defensive side of the ball for Troy, is very special. Week in and week out, y'all continue to impress not only me and Noah, but I think the whole conference. And it's evident that y'all are very much the heart and soul of this team and really a huge reason for y'all's success this year. What makes this defensive unit so special compared to previous ones you've been a part of at Troy? You no, know, just
3: 11 guys on the same page, just playing for each other. You know, just being out there, you know, attitude, love, discipline. You know, that's just one thing. Our co- that's our core values. You know, we try to... Um, we try to just preach those every day, and we know we are all love each other out there. We just give it all for each other. You know, just 10 guys playing. No, 11 guys, I'm sorry. 11 guys just playing for each other.
0: 11 guys pulling on the same side of the rope. It's crazy what can happen uh, when that occurs. Uh, you guys are one of 13 teams in the country right now, Carlton, with a 10-2 and record or better to end the regular season. Your only losses come into that Old Miss team, and then App State on that last-minute Hail Mary um, yet you're still unranked and you didn't crack the top 25 all season. Does this team feel a little slept on nationally? And is that talked about in the locker room? Uh,
3: of course, you know, it's locker room. talk. of course, people are going to talk about it. But, you know, you got to beat, beat that out. <laughs> out the window. You're like, hey, we're not ranked. Good. You know, maybe they need to see more. So guess what? We'll do more out there on the field. So maybe you'll be ranked next week. If not, okay, maybe the week after that. But you don't have that many more weeks left. so. If it happens, if it happens, if it doesn't, you know, oh, well, it was a good year.
1: Carlton, we're going to transition to this championship game you have coming up by asking the, one of the most important questions we always ask on this podcast. We want to know what's in the headphones before the game. What do you what should we expect to hear in your headphones before this game for this championship? And maybe if you were a baseball player, had one type of walkout song, what would that song be? Uh yeah, i going to look at me crazy for this one. <laughs> My music
3: is definitely all over the place. It's a little bit of gospel. It's a little bit of rap. You know, mostly uh, a lot of people like a uh, young boy. I'm I'm a young boy fan. A little Uzi, possibly. And the surprising thing, I'm sorry, but I do have a thing for Lady Gaga. Like I like her music a lot. You know, Cash, I like a little. That's the like, heat we needed to hear like today. That.
0: Let's go. Oh, there yeah. we go. <laughs> you know, yeah, I'm I'm a huge uh, pop fan as well. So yeah. Well, I can definitely uh, echo that. I'm a pop fan. I know Caden's into some other stuff, so you know, we can we can bond over that at some point. But uh this Coastal Carolina, their offensive scheme is one of the most complex and they give defenses a lot of different looks. They have a lot of moving parts. Carlton, you've faced them before and had plenty of experience playing against them. Uh what makes them so hard to defend and what are some keys for you guys to slow them down in this weekend's game?
3: You know, uh keys slow slowed them down, basically just winning the Winning first and second down because we know they're going to come out, you know, tick tack, tick tack, and then maybe throw a shot in there, you know, maybe a trick play. And with the type of offense they have, it's a lot of options every single play. So if eleven guys are
1: doing their job, you know, I, I believe we'll be fine. And speaking more on that coastal offense, the run game is a staple of it, and they get a lot of their guys involved. They have running backs like C.J. Beasley and Reese White who are going to get their touches. They have quarterbacks like Grayson McCall and Carpenter that like to get involved, too, and even receivers like Jared Brown who are going to get those sweeps and be those pitch options. What is it like having to prepare in this matchup for a team that has so many different kind of ball carries and kind of having to tackle them all differently? Or I guess maybe for you, it's you're the kind of guy who just tackles everyone the same and it works out for you. You
3: know, when it comes to preparation, we don't prepare for any opponent differently. We you know just do what you've been doing all season. You know, come here, get extra film, do the extra work, you know, know what they're gonna do before they even do it. You know, that's one thing our uh defensive coordinator Coach Wood. That's one thing he's like he loves to see before practice, you know, or before the play, you know, calling out the play, letting know, you know, make sure everybody's on the same page, just communicating, you know, it should just give us another chance know to flex our muscle a little bit and just give us another chance to prove ourselves
0: carlton i don't think most people know this but like how much film are you watching on a weekly basis leading up to a game personally or with you having played in the conference for as long as you have are you able to not watch as much film because you've played against so many of these guys before oh
3: that doesn't even matter you know as you always have to watch film i don't care what level you're at you know high school college nfl canadian league even after college you know it doesn't even matter. You know, watching film, that could be the game changer in your game and help you move, you know, just that much faster. And, you know, that's just one thing that I know our coaches, you know, harp on. Well, and I just try to be a stickler about it as well.
0: Yeah, I love that. Um, you know, speaking of running backs, your team has a dynamic duo. Kamani Vidal, D.K. Billingsley, uh, two powerful runners who we've really seen step up their game late in this season, especially Kamani uh, these past two weeks. What makes those guys special and how much of a challenge are they to have to face in practice every week?
3: Uh, you know, that's definitely a challenge facing those guys every week. You know, I kind—I came in with DK Billingsley, so I kind of know what he does every now and then. I kind of know how to how to play him and how to tackle him. You know, Kamani, he's uh, he's a different little breed. So, you know, we tag we still, you know, get the job done. But of course, you know, those are those two guys are just amazing.
1: And staying on the offensive side of the ball, we talked to Coach Sumrall earlier in this episode and talked about how your offense has kind of evolved throughout the season, going from that pass-first attack to now leaning on the run game late in the season. As a defensive player, from your perspective, what's it been like to kind of watch this offense evolve throughout this season and their ability to change and really find different ways to win for y'all week after week? You know, we put all all
3: our trust in them. We know that they're going to get the job done, that they're going to do their part. And we look at it as a team effort, you know, if the offense is doing bad one game, boom, defense pick it, pick up the slack. Defense doing bad one game, boom, offense pick up the slack. You know, just one complete team, you know, looking at the run game, you know, our O line, they're, they're they're getting nasty now. And that's what we need. You now the big nasties. That's what I'm gonna call, that's what we call them. Well, that's what I call them. But yeah, you know, and because some likes to say, you know, wide receivers, they block for touchdowns. So, you know, O line, they'll block for the initial maybe four yards, the running back maybe get seven. You know, the wide receivers on the outside, they block for the touchdown. So we've seen that big change. So that's great.
0: So here's the million dollar question, Carlton. Would you rather play in a game that's decided by like three to five points? Or would you rather play in a game like how the regular season ended where you guys won by a lot as a defensive player? Which game would you rather be in?
3: Uh, three to five points is more fun.
0: <laughs> okay, okay. I kind of expected you to say that answer, so I appreciate that. Um, you know, we've already talked about your journey in this episode. It's clear that you truly care about this Troy program. What does it mean to you to not only have helped lead this team to the conference championship game, but to now also be able to host it in Troy, Alabama, at your house, in front of your fans on Saturday?
3: Well, it, it, it means a lot, you know, just to actually bring it to Troy. You know, I think I believe for the first time, conference championship that we've hosted but me personally i say it doesn't mean nothing unless we win but of course it definitely means something but we need to finish this job
0: well we certainly hope that you and your team are able to finish this job this weekend uh it's been a lot of fun to watch you guys play this year i know uh it's it's been neat to hear the backstory behind this team and uh excited to see you guys play so we appreciate you coming on and uh wish you best of luck on saturday
3: yes sir thank you
0: Jayden, some things are worth waiting for. We had planned on talking with Carlton earlier on in the season. It didn't work out, but it was worth waiting for that interview. I loved hearing him tell that story again about him deciding at 1 a.m. in the morning where he was going to school and how he had to make the decision. Do I want to go play for the school that the big brother that I've always looked up to played for, or do I want to chart my own path? That was great. It was also really neat to hear just How much playing in this championship game in front of the Trojans crowd means to him personally?
1: Yeah, he was faced at two really big crossroads as far as picking where to go to school and picking to stay for that other year to come back to Troy for this season. And I think a lot of football players are faced with those decisions and you don't want to live in regret. And I think it's very clear that Carlton believes that he made the right decision. If you look at his career and where he's at now, it's hard to argue against that. So you have to give kudos to him and you touched on it as well. You could argue that this game might not mean more to any other player if you look at the entire journey, their career, why they're playing, their motivation, all those little aspects of it. This game at home to Troy at Troy means probably the most to Carlton Marshall more than anyone else out there. So can't wait to watch him and these, this team play in front of their home crowd and get after it this weekend 100%.
0: Well, Kane, let's preview that Troy team in this championship game. They're a program they enter 10-2 right now. Uh, they're seeking their Sunbelt best seventh league title, but they're actually hosting just their first championship game. If you remember back, this championship game's only been around for five seasons. And they're riding a nine game winning streak coming into this game. Their only two losses were to Old Miss and App State early on in the season. Uh, and they enter this game, Caden, unlike their counterparts in Coastal Carolina, coming off of perhaps their best quarter of football when they hung 34 points on Arkansas State in that final quarter in the regular season. But Caden, despite the offensive outburst in that fourth quarter, there's a lot of question marks on offense, particularly with one position group, and that is the quarterback position. Uh, We've seen these quarterbacks have a decreased role in this offense. Gunnar Watson to begin the year was averaging over 30 pass attempts per game in the first 10 games of the season, but now you see him averaging about 16 over the last two games. What do you make of that?
1: I think this team, you have to give credit to Coach Summerall for really just having a good pulse on this offense and really going with what works best for them in any given week. I think it's amazing how they've found ways to win and how they've found ways to adapt. And I think if you look at both sides of the ball, this team is just full of gamers. That's why they've been able to win. But it's crazy because their formula and the way they've won, you look at the game of football at any level, the most important position is that quarterback position. But on this team, it almost looks like it's their least important position. It doesn't matter if they're turning the ball over, if they throw the ball 40 times, if they throw the ball 15 times, they're going to still find a way to win. So I think heading into this matchup, I don't think we're going to see Derek Dagey in this game. We haven't seen him since South Alabama. So for Gunnar Watson, that position is really just an elevator at this point. The the floor of this team is going to be subpar, medium, maybe some good fourth quarter quarterback play for this team. But now if you're Gunnar Watson, can you play your best game of the season? Can you elevate this team that's already dangerous and just make them even more lethal? I think you've watched them lean on that run game, like you mentioned, the past two weeks. But the problem with that is they've still been turning the ball over. He's still been throwing interceptions, even though those numbers have been down from a pass attempt standpoint. But I feel like it's just an elevator position. The better he can play, the better this team will be. They don't need him to play well in this game, but I think it would be a huge plus and bonus for them going up against a team that has such a pedigree like Coastal Carolina.
0: Yeah, I'm fascinated to see the quarterback play in this game, and even more so after we talked with Coach Summerall earlier on in this episode, and he talked about maybe throwing in some wrinkles in this game. So I'm really interested to see what we see out of the quarterback position for Troy. Caden, you touched on that run game, and you know we were on this very early on. Through the first three games of the year, they had not ran for 100 yards. Since then, they've gone for 100 yards in eight of their last nine games. They're 9-0 and during that period. They're 8-0 when they rush for 100 yards. Um, Caden, Kamani Vidal has been a one-person wrecking crew down the stretch here, over 200 yards in his last two games. I would expect another big performance from him against Coastal.
1: Yeah, similar how we talked about with the hot hand, with the backfield that they might be able to use on Coastal Carolina side of the ball. It's very clear for Troy what their hot hand right, is right now. It's Kamani Vidal, it's him running the ball well in these last two games. And we talked about the importance of playing good football, good physical football in November, and he's really been highlighting that along with those guys up front. You have to give credit to that offensive line that Carlton was talking about, that nasty group up front. And I do believe that they will be able to run the ball effectively in this game because of that offensive line unit. They're a little bit more experienced than Coastals, and I think they're going to sell out in this game. There's a lot of these guys' last games. They're going to be really looking to push and get Kamani those holes and let him do some of the things we've been able to see him do in these last couple weeks. But I think even with the run game being as successful as it's been, I think a big question and a big part of its success in this game will come down to the pass game. We saw what a team like Southern Miss looked like against Coastal Carolina when they only had a one-dimensional offense, when they were just running the ball effectively, versus last week, you saw what James Madison was able to do against the Coastal Carolina defense that had the run threat and the pass threat. So I think the run game will be there for Troy. It's been consistent for them the past two weeks, but it will only be better if they're able to throw the ball too.
0: Yeah, I think that's a great point because if you give a guy like Jamie Chadwell and that staff that's worked together for so long a one-dimensional team, they're going to find ways to get advantages, so that'll be particularly interesting to pay attention to. Kaden. I thought this was interesting. In stark contrast to Costa Carolina, who's one of the best teams at third-down conversions in this league, Troy's actually third-worst this season, but one of the big things that they've done a nice job of is picking up chunk plays. Over 50% of their runs of over 10 or more yards, Kaden, have come in the last four games, which I found particularly shocking. They had 24 run plays of over 10 yards in their last four games, just 44 to begin the season. What do you make of that from this team? Why are they able to pick up chunk plays on the ground with such regularity?
1: It's really been those guys up front like we've talked about. Those chunk plays, they talked about it a little bit with Carlton, and it's a mantra that's preached a lot in offensive coordinator rooms, offensive team rooms, and meeting rooms. Lyman block for first downs and wide receivers block for touchdowns. And I think you look at those long runs that Kamani Vidal has been able to rip off some of those chunk plays that um, D.K. Billingsley has been able to get off. It's been because that first line is being handled. Detroit offensive line, guys like Austin Siddham have been stonewalling guys up front and making that hole, that five-yard hole and that seven-yard window. But then once you get to that second, third level, these guys are big backs. They're not burners by any means, but when they get in the open field, they know what to do. And the more open field it is because of those receivers like a Rajay Johnson, like a Deshaun Stodemeyer blocking downfield, some of those bigger bodies, the more successful you've seen this run game go. So I think the chunk yardage plays are going to be huge for this run game in this game.
0: Okay. And I've said it before in different contexts, but at some point greatness becomes boring and I'm getting a little bored talking about this Troy defense because there's only so many ways that you can describe it with how good they have been this year. I wanted to key in on this though. Okay. they probably arguably have the best front seven in the conference this year. They're second in the sunbelt with 38 sacks this year. TJ Jackson's having a huge year. He's in the top two in terms of sacks by players this season, four players, have or seven players rather, have four or more sacks this year. Carlton Marshall, again, I mean, he makes it look so simple, 112 tackles this season. But the front seven of this team is as good as probably any team in this conference, maybe even in the country. You
1: know, you might get tired of talking about this defense. No, but I don't. I mean, they're a perfect group. And when you talk about that front seven, it's a perfect group. I think when you look at the defensive principles that are taught across the country, when you talk about scheme, it's all about being gap sound hustling to the ball, staying on top of things and coverage and keeping everything in front of you. This team has done it at a high level and I think Coach Summerall talked about it as well. A highlight of this defense that they've improved on throughout the year is communication. As a defense the more the defensive unit is talking the more fearful the offense should be. I know I've had coaches in the past say hey we don't care if the offense can hear us talking. We That just means we know what we're doing and we're confirming it. And this team when you watch them on TV even you can hear them talking to each other and making sure that everybody knows where they are and that all starts with a guy like Carlton Marshall up front. But you have to give credit to a bunch of guys. Jackson up front at defensive end is playing well. KJ Robertson, at linebacker, has been playing well for them as well. I think if you just look across the board, it's a physical group that knows what they're doing. And I think a defense that knows what they're doing and they do it with intention, they do it very physically, is a scary one. And that's why they've been so scary this year.
0: Hey, it's a veteran group too. And that makes a defensive coordinator's job really easy. He doesn't have to do a lot of teaching because these are guys that have heard the same thing for the previous year's. Uh, Caden, their run-stopping ability is off the charts. They're a top-five run defense. They've held eight of their 12 opponents under 100 yards this season. They've given up just two 100-plus-yard games during this nine-game winning streak. We talked about the run game on offense, but their ability to stop the run has been a huge reason why they've had as much success as they have this year.
1: And that all comes down for those to those guys knowing where they need to be, and I think that's going to be one of the more interesting parts of this matchup because we've talked about it in depth in the Coastal episode and in the past of this entire season, how intricate and detailed that this offensive rushing attack is going to be that they're going to face. Other than that triple option attack that they faced, this is going to be the next greatest rushing attack they've seen. So they're going to get their biggest challenge in the biggest game of the year. But those guys up front have been stuffing gaps and making the linebackers be able to fly around all season. You got big guys like Buda Jones up front just plugging up holes and making it to where guys like Carlton Marshall and Richard Jubiner can just fly around and make tackles. So I think if this team mentally is locked in, like we talked about in this episode if their mental preparation has been taken seriously, we know Carlton's in the film room all day long, watching that film. If they're, if they have it up top, if they're mentally locked in with this game, I don't think we should expect to see anything different than we've seen from their run stopping ability all season.
0: Kate every time I start to talk about the secondary for Troy, I can just see you salivating a little bit through the camera. Um, but this secondary has done such a great job of controlling big plays this year. You have guys like Craig Slocum, TJ Harris, Reddy Stewart, and they're a top 20 team in the country in terms of 10-plus yard pass plays allowed this year. You dig a little bit deeper, Cade, and they've really controlled those maybe explosive plays, those those plays of over 20-plus yards through the air. They're actually top three in the country right now, tied with another very good defense in Michigan, in terms of shutting down those big pass plays, we've talked about you know defensively they're really good at staying in their lane, so maybe don't take me down that path, but why is this defense, particularly on the back end, so strong?
1: Any defense that can stop explosive plays is checking a huge box off as far as being able to stay into games and stay competitive. And I think they've done a great job of staying over the top of coverage and really not having any coverage bust like we talked about on the other side with Coastal where they might have some mental lapses. This team does not do that. They play confident. They know where they need to be. You have to give credit to those linebackers as well. They play very good underneath coverage as well and makes it a lot easier for these guys on the back end to play well. But they have a lot of size, a lot of speed, and a lot of talent. You talk about guys like Craig Slocum. I think he's one of the more physical and just best safeties in the conference when you look at coverage and being able to come down in the run game. I know he's one of their leading tacklers as well. And then you talk about guys like Reddy Stewart. We had a great game last week having two interceptions. It's an opportunistic group, which is, I think, another really impressive thing because when you look at teams that might stop explosive plays You might not see as many interceptions and pass breakups because they're kind of playing safe. They don't want to get beat over the top. But this team is over the top when they need to be, and they take their chances as well as far as getting turnovers, too. So they're just an overall great unit, and I think they're also a product of some of the great play up front and in the linebacker core as well.
0: Man, you've got me excited. I am ready for this game tomorrow. Coastal Carolina versus Troy for a championship in Troy, Alabama. We will know who wins the Sunbelt just a day from today. Well, that will do it for another loaded episode of the Frarian and Smith podcast. We'd like to say a special thank you to Trey head coach, John Summerall, as well as Carlton Marshall and associate athletic director, Adam Prendergast, for helping make this episode happen. Before you go, don't forget that we'll be back with another episode on Monday where we'll provide our reaction and analysis of Saturday's Sunbelt Conference championship game while also giving you an early preview of each Sunbelt school's bowl matchups. Again, thanks for taking time to listen today. If you like what you heard on this episode of the Frarian & Smith podcast, make sure to subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts or Spotify so that you never miss another episode. And if you'd be so kind, leave us a five-star rating on Apple or Spotify. We love hearing what y'all think. Finally, take a moment to follow the show on our Twitter page at Prairie Smith for all the latest Sunbelt football news and notes. Well, that's goodbye for now. We'll talk to you again soon.